My dear listeners, I hope today is going amazing for you. Join me on my podcast as I share stories of people just like you who made bold decisions in their lives and in turn, they live their dreams. As they say, it's up to you to make it happen. This show is sponsored by BioMental, all natural nutritional supplements for your daily needs. Always stay healthy, strong and focused, and the rest will follow. To learn more, go to biomental.org. Hello everyone, today we're meeting Michelle Maidenberg. She is a therapist in different modalities. She's a professor, an author of a couple of books, and uh, she's going to tell us more about what is it that she does and how she can help others to kind of like break free from the mindset that we're all struggling with and to find themselves free of conditioning and what is it that's holding you back so you can start looking into the new life that you can create. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Yes. So let's start conversation by diving into your journey of becoming the person you are today. What led you to discover your true passion in life? How did it start for you? Yeah, I've been thinking about that more and more lately. Um, it's an interesting question because I do think about that because I don't have anybody in my family or anybody that I know that's actually a therapist. Mm. So I always think about that, but it definitely has to do with my upbringing. Um, I feel like it was meant to be, (laughs) you know, I I grew up in a family where my parents were divorced when I was three years old, which is really young. Um, I always found myself in kind of a parentified role, you know, so being pseudo mature, you know, having experiences, I would say prematurely (laughs) throughout my life. And I found myself just being, you know, the person who listens and who gives, you know, kind of valuable suggestions and somebody who, you know, um, has the ability to communicate and to connect with people. I I just had that knack since I was, you know, kind of born (laughs) naturally. And I think just my childhood and my upbringing kind of reinforced that. I think a a huge factor is my grandparents, all four of them were Holocaust survivors and they experienced incredible trauma, incredible trauma. And out of my four grandparents, there was only one grandmother who would really speak about, you know, stories. She would tell us stories since, since I'm little, she would tell like very detailed stories about the concentration camps and about the death of her family members and you know, um, and, and I remember, like, I remember feeling so compassionate, empathetic toward her, but I didn't understand. I obviously I didn't understand the complexity of what she went through, um, until I was older. But, um, I think that I naturally just gained this like true compassion for people who struggle. And that was my calling. And when I was in high school, I'll never forget this. I took an AP psychology course and mm-hmm. I actually, at graduation, um, got an award because I got the highest grade on my exam. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was literally like I won a Grammy or like, yeah, <laughs> I was so I was so excited. I remember holding on to the, you know, the medal and feeling like it was like so confident and, and I was so proud of myself. 
Wow. So like early in life, you were kind of given all those messages and you started listening to your true voice inside of you that led you to the path that you own right now. And you still explore in other areas of uh, how you can help others. And I just want you to really elaborate more on what are the techniques that you are um, ex expert in and what are the tools that you could provide others in order to kind of uh, become free of their conditioning or maybe some kind of trauma they experience that still holding them back and not allowing them to move forward. Yeah. So we, we all, I call it stuckness. We all have stuckness. It could be a relationship, you know, challenge. It could be, you know, a physiological challenge. It could be an emotional one. It could be anything, you know, we all have challenges. There's nobody who's unscathed and we all have adversity in our lives. You know, the, there's a Buddhist precept, like, you know, we all experience human suffering. It's just the way it is, you know, it's part of our humanism. So once we accept that, instead of, for example, catastrophizing, that something is happening to us, right? And thinking it's the end of the it's the end of the world and we're not going to be able to cope and et cetera, not really tapping into our resilience and strength. And we recognize like, no, this is kind of what happens in life and we have to roll with the punches. And what I call it is like pivoting. You know, we're pivoting, we're always like kind of dodging balls, you know, from <laughs> It could be, again, things come up sometimes with our children, right? Or, you know, in our in the course of our lives, which we don't expect. And I know for the, this past year has been one of those times where I'm like, whoa, like I, I learned so much about myself that I didn't even realize, you know, just doing a lot of self-exploration and doing my own personal work and recognizing more and more, like how my childhood affected, you know, how I behave and my patterns of behavior as an adult which I think I repressed, you know, for many, many years. And I didn't discover that. And I'm 52. I didn't discover that really until very recently. And I've been in therapy for many years, just being a therapist. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how life is going to give us our kind of, you know, twists and turns, and we have to really be ready for it. So the, the point that I'm making is instead of getting in a position of feeling hopeless and helpless and like, you know, victimhood is really to recognize like this is part of our, of our humanism we need to pivot, right? And we need to really kind of tap into what it is, what values kind of inspire us to be our best selves. So a lot of the work that I do is around our values. Um, the book that I wrote, it's called Ace Your Life, Unleash Your Best Self and Live the Life You Want, just recent. And I'll show it to you because I'm so excited about the cover. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but, um, thanks. But ACE st stands for acceptance, compassion, and empowerment. And, you know, when I say acceptance, right, because that sounds very glorified, like we have to accept ourselves, you know, people get really fearful. That means that we need to settle in mediocrity. And that's not what I mean at all. It's really noticing who we are. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I know for myself, I'll just give an example. The feeling that I feel really comfortable with, which most people don't, is anger and frustration. I feel really comfortable in my anger. I know as a child, it definitely gave fortified this, you know, feeling of strength, mm -hmm. you know, and resilience, which again, is actually not an authentic sense of strength. Anger is not an authentic sense of strength, although it did feel good to feel angry because it allowed me to assert myself and be my own advocate 
and get my needs met and be a survivor and all that other great stuff. But as an adult, it doesn't serve me well. It keeps me distant in my relationships. It doesn't allow me to tap into my really, my true, genuine, authentic feelings. And I could go on and on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, accept it. And I know that about myself. So Mm -hmm. I really have to be in tune with my anger. And when my anger shows up, I have to notice it and have to say, hmm, what's that underlying feeling that's going on for me right now? You know, is it sadness? Is it disappointment? And then when I could get to that underlying feeling and I could really, really be authentic with myself, it usually for me comes from a place of rejection or abandonment. Cause again, based on my history yeah. and I'm like, Hmm, why am I feeling rejected? Or why am I feeling abandoned? Like what's going on for me? That's making me feel sad or disappointed. Once I go there, boom, you know, I, I could actually reality test and say, Hmm, that person said that to me, but you know, maybe they had a different intention. Like mm-hmm. I'm being judgmental by having, you know, by, by assuming and predicting the worst. Yeah. So let me inquire, let me be curious, let me kind of connect with the person instead of disconnecting and being protective and going into my survival mode, you know, so that's kind of acceptance. And again, there's a whole two chapters on it. So there's a <laughs> lot more to be said, you know, compassion is compassion. We learn compassion towards others very readily in our lives, right? Even our parents, they tell us, you know, say you're sorry, or like, you know, there are people who are worse off in the world, right? They're always giving us those messages and we hear about it all the time. And even, you know, this is a good example. If something catastrophic happens, let's say, I don't know, you witness something, people Mm -hmm. will always say, how are those people doing? Or how do they feel? Okay. But they don't come over to you and they don't say to you, how are you? How are you based on the fact fact that you witnessed that? people don't say that and I have to tell you it's amazing when people experience really really catastrophic things and they're talking to me about it you know my patients let's say and they're telling me this happened and that happened and this happened you know and they're very they're emoting and they're getting very deeply emotional and I stop them and I say to them how is that for you Mm. and I have to tell you tears come streaming down their eyes and you know what they say to me no one ever asked me that (laughs) <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I, I expect that. And they said, you know what? I didn't even have a moment to think about that or to really understand that or to feel it or to actually feel it in my body, in my mind, right? Because there's my, a mind-body connection. So really, so once we feel it, we have to have self-compassion, self-love, self-belief, all of those things, which again, we don't readily learn. No one teaches us to be self-compassionate. There's no script on how to do that. And we're not readily taught that. So like, for example, with my, I have four children from 23 to 15, and I'll always say to them, you know, I'll always say to them, how does that feel for you? What's going on for you? Right. Or if if I say, I'm so proud of you, let's say, right. I'll say to them, how do you feel about yourself? Are you proud of yourself? What, what is making you proud of yourself? So that they could do that for themselves when they have those moments of quiet, when they have those moments of like really processing their feelings. And we don't learn to do that. You know, I'm constantly sitting there and I'm like, and I say to myself, wow, that was something really hard that I went through. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm going to feel, you know, helpless and hopeless in that situation. Gosh, when I'm in that kind of a situation, 
it's really challenging for me. Right. You know, sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I'll like look in my eyes and I'll say, you are having a hard time. <laughs> yeah. And it makes the world of difference. It really does, you know, in terms of grounding and centering us, you know, and empowerment. The problem that we have, I find, is sustaining behaviors over time. Right. Yeah. We could we could definitely change behaviors and patterns of behaviors momentarily and temporarily. Mm-hmm. But the duration is what is so, so difficult. You know, and with anything, if we want to do well in any in life, in anything, we have to practice. So we have to take bite size, like mm-hmm. life lessons, and do it in a very, very gradual, you know, way in order to expand our coping skills or whatever it is that we're trying, right, to change. Now, keep in mind our our neural networks, right? Our neural networks are formed, literally they're formed. So when we're trying to change them, it doesn't change overnight just because we say we want them to change. So for example, the example that I gave you about my anger, oh my goodness, I could slip into that so easily because it's such, it feels so empowering and so I feel so strong and I get my needs met. So it's been reinforced over time. Yeah, that's the way to go, right? Because I'm getting my needs met. But try to convince my mind and body that I don't need to do that. Forget it. It, 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 it fights me. It's resistant because it's saying, no, 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 Michelle, that worked for you. That's good for you. That's going to get you what you need. And it tries to convince me otherwise because it's trying to preclude me from being uncomfortable or trying to preclude me from being in danger, right? Because it thinks I'm in danger. So it fights tooth and nail. You know, so I have to constantly practice, practice, practice. So there's so many components and I put together this model, you know, that could be used with any stuckness, by the way, it really, it, it's, it's versatile. It could use with any stuckness that you're experiencing um, to help you through those kind of skills. Wow. It's definitely something that we need to be aware of first, how we react in the interaction with other people. Why are we being triggered? What is it in you that's not yeah. being healed that you need to address, not to suppress, but really sit with it, feel it, let that emotion go, process it. And like you mentioned, being compassionate with ourselves is something that we also nurture over time because usually we are the ones uh, critical to ourselves, even more critical to, to other people. And we don't realize that, we don't recognize it. We do it on autopilot because we've been conditioned doing it a certain way. And now it just feels familiar. And like you said, if you are being triggered, you go to a certain reaction where you fall again into that pattern of repeating the cycle. But how can you catch it? How can you stop that? negative thinking pattern how can you get out of it so i think first is like becoming aware and being mindful of what is the self-talk that's going on and how can you really like stop it and redirect it and tell you a different story what is it that you want for yourself because i believe what we think about is eventually who we become through the way we feel and then how we act, what the choices that we make based on that. So everything is tied to your belief about yourself and who you are, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, you know, I think what you're describing is like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we see ourselves a certain way, we behave in vain, right? 
and then our worst fears kind of play out, mm-hmm. right? So if I see, you know, as a, as a young person, and I, I'm realizing this more and more, and I'm pretty surprised by it, but I realized that because I wasn't, I didn't have, I had uncertainty and I had a lack of control, my mean thoughts, okay, let me feel or gave me the impression that I was in control. But I also realized that having those mean thoughts made me think of myself or have the perception that I was mean, Mm -hmm. which is so fascinating, right? I know differently now, of course, but that still comes up for me and I'm sensitive to that, Mm -hmm. you know? So yes, if I see myself as mean or I perceive myself as mean or my behavior is being mean, right? It's going to get perpetuated. That's just the way it is, you know, because again, it serves me well. And I see that, you know, here's a good example. People who have extreme anger issues. And again, I I don't consider myself to have extreme anger issues because I'm working on it, obviously. But so you could be at a restaurant. Okay. And you know, those people who are very aggressive towards like waiting staff. Yes. Right. And you're like, how could they speak to them that way? That's horrible, right? But in their minds, they think if I don't assert myself in that way, I'm not going to be responded to. I'm going to be ignored. Okay. So then you have, you know, people who come into my office and they convince me I need to be that way because if I'm not, I'm not going to get my needs met. And I say to them, okay, that's one way of getting your needs met. I don't disagree with you. Intimidation, definitely one way to get your needs met. People will be intimidated by you, but they will react to you not out of respect and care and kindness, but out of fear. Is that how you want to be responded to out of fear? Is that in line with how you want to see yourself of who who you want to be of the kind of relationships that you want to facilitate? And then... Oh, well, not really. Ooh, that doesn't sound really that great, right? (laughs) And then when I try to get into an intimate relationship, right? And my partner sees me as aggressive and sees me as a bully and sees me whatever. And I keep on having people walk away from me, right? Because they tell me that I'm aggressive towards them or I'm, I'm intimidating towards them or whatever the case is. That doesn't make you too happy, does it? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. So we, we're also, we're not unilateral. So I, I want to say that too. These types of behaviors spill over, okay? And they affect us at work. They affect us with our families. They affect us in our interpersonal relationships. They affect us in all different kinds of ways. You know, like, and I think about this a lot. Like if I died tomorrow, what would people be saying about me at my funeral? I really do think about that. And I laugh because I, I kind of know what they would say. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would, I think they would focus on like how productive I am and like how I get so much accomplished and all the accolades around my work, you know? And um, well, I, I think I've hopefully expanded that over time, but I think that would be the main focus. And I kind of laugh because I'm like, I do want to be known in that way because I'm proud of it. But I actually also want to be known like to be a good mom and I want to be known to be like a kind, caring person and et cetera, you know, like I don't want all the focus to be on like my work and my productivity. (laughs) So that actually clues me in 
that like, do I have a good balance? Like, am I paying enough attention in all areas of my life that I really want to excel? I got the work thing. I'm good. Right. But like, what about the other stuff? Right. And, and do I gravitate towards the work because it's comfortable because I know that I feel really confident and competent in it. And do I shy away from the other stuff? Cause it doesn't come so readily to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We, we gravitate towards what feeds our confidence and what's easier, so to speak. Not that all the work that I do is easy by any means. Cause like writing a book is not an easy task, but in some ways it is easier for me. So you have to realize that we kind of, it's like a slip and slide. Literally, we slip into feelings and emotions that are comfortable for us. And when I say comfortable, I mean comfortable. You know, we slip into patterns of behaviors. We slip into all these things. And that's because of our neural networks get so formed based on our histories and our experience and how we're socialized and our gender, race, religion, and I could go on and on. There's thousands of factors that form us. And to be able to change that and cultivate that takes a lot of time and patience and effort and practice. Um, So I teach you how to do that, all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And like you said, if something is familiar and something is, um, I would say, comfortable for us, this is what we choose. That's always going to be our first choice in our mind. But is it really something that's serving us, is beneficial for us? We always have to inquire and questioning, like, if this is something I want to continue bringing in into my life experiences, is this is who I want to be perceived as? or uh, being known for when I'm done, what people will say about me? Who am I? If this is this message is not in line with who I'm thinking about myself, so maybe I should do something about it. Maybe I should lean towards uh, the area of my life that's not been nourished enough. And that's where I want to really to grow that area. So we usually avoid something that is um, triggering us in some kind of way or showing us that we really need to work on ourselves. It's not that we are not, um, you know, confident in that. We just didn't spend enough time working in that area. Like you said, if this is something I did for a long period of time, of course, I'm confident. I know what to expect. I know how to navigate. But what is it something new, unknown? Usually we fear unknown. We create a worst case scenario or we come up with different excuses, something that might not even be true or might not even happen for us but based on previous experience or other people opinions or stories that's how we create that narrative right and then Mm -hmm. we start buying into that and preventing ourselves from going to where we actually need to go so what could be like a motivating factor for us to uh to start you know, exploring those areas to not be fearful of them and to show ourselves that, you know, there is nothing that is scary, but rather we need to lean towards and understand who we are and how we need our needs to be filled and how to explore. Yeah. So you said something very interesting and I'm going to elaborate on it. So you said to not be scared by it. Mm -hmm. Impossible. Yeah. When you say not be scared by it, that's going to create resistance. 
In other words, if I am scared by it, I'm not going to want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to think there's something wrong with me because I am scared by it. And I should only do something when I am scared by it. Okay. So the point is, is to be with whatever presents itself and to be accepting of that. It's okay to be scared. Mm-hmm. When I think about giving up my anger, even this much, it scares the daylights out of me. Mm-hmm. It does because it makes me vulnerable. It opens me up for rejection, which is like, you know, right? It is the scariest thing to give up because in my life, it made me feel strong. So it's like literally, you know, like Superman has kryptonite. That's what it is for me. Literally, it's like asking me to give up a part of myself that I felt was like literally my lifeline. Mm -hmm. That is really scary. So I need to face that. I need to say this is scary. And it's expected that it's going to be scary because I'm not used to it. I don't know what's on the other end of that. Mm -hmm. I do know that the way I'm operating isn't working for me. And I need to find some other way. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe, right? I'm going to kind of really like explore. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to be open, et cetera. But it is going to be scary. So it's really inviting and opening opening yourself up to whatever shows up without judgment, without judgment. And if I'm scared, you know, I, I had a situation actually last week where I I got really, really sad and upset. And I sat there and I was like, very tearful. Like I was like literally crying, you know, and typically, right. When you cry, you want to distract, you want to like feel better. So that's what I would do. I would like get up. I would like play with my dog. I would, you know, get on my phone. Oh my God. That's the best distraction, right? Like email friends, call friends, whatever. I said to myself, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be in my pain. Like it's okay to feel pain. I get why I'm feeling this way, right? It's really, really challenging for me right now. And when I experience things like this and it makes me feel so, you know, kind of unsafe and the lack of groundedness, it causes great pain for me. And I sat there, I literally sat there and I just allowed the feelings to kind of surface for myself without judgment. Not like, why do I feel this way? Or I shouldn't be feeling this way. Or if I wasn't feeling this way, then this, you know? And it was amazing what happened, the transformation. So first of all, I had an incredible insight, which I had no clue about. Like literally it popped up and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, (laughs) that was one, that was one. The second thing that happened is once I connected to that insight, my feelings like it was, you know, it went from like, literally from like here to like, I felt it. I literally felt it creep up where I was like, I got back into my body. I got back into my, who I am. And I got centered around like who I want to be and like who I am and my strengths. And that was a genuine source of strength for me. And by the way, it felt so much better than the inauthentic sense of strength. And the insight that came up actually was, it was about like other people providing support for me that makes me feel loved, let's say, right? But in my process, when I sat there and I was so, so pained, what came up in my mind was like, honey, you're an adult. 
You could do that for yourself. You don't need for anybody to do that for you. That was when you were little. Like now we're an adult. Now we could do it for ourselves. You don't need affirmation. You don't need validation. Like you got it. You have everything you need. And wow, that was like magic. And I, I was like, I'm okay. Like, it doesn't feel good, but like, I'm okay. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we avoid those moments where we can just sit with our emotion that comes up to the surface. And that is actually a very powerful tool. And, you know, the practice that we need to kind of integrate and we don't have to judge ourselves just give ourselves that time and compassion and just sit with that pain, some unpleasant emotion or feeling that you might be having at the moment and let it pass because it will take, you know, some time, but it wouldn't take a long time to pass. But like you said, you start feeling better. Once you release it, you can have some kind of insight of just the process it's the pro it's it's process and pass right because because you're you're not getting to the influx and to the depth of really how you're feeling unless you're sitting with it yeah because it's only on the surface and you're only in your consciousness mm -hmm. right you're not getting to kind of more of the unconscious or the subconscious subtext yeah so it's really really important to get to that so that you could actually move on right so like, for example, you know, where it led me to, which was really interesting was like such gratitude for people that I have in my life that do, that are supportive and can be very validating. Yeah. And like, I, I sat there and I said to myself, I could do this for myself and I do, and I'm proud of myself and I'm an adult. But then I also said to myself, wow, like I can never underestimate like the incredible connections that I have that I've fortified over the years, you know, people who really get me and people who really care about me and people who really want to be there for me. And I was able to really feel that differently than I've ever felt before. And it felt so like balanced and so like um, the gratitude really, really like was so helpful in that moment for me. Yes, and also uh, once this feeling comes up, I like how we, um, you just mentioned how you recognize what kind of emotion is that, if you can name it, what is it that you're feeling? And then asking why would you think you would feel this way and what might be um, the underlying story of that type of feeling that you keep experiencing over and over again. So you have to also realize where the origin of that story is and that will help you to release it in, in a more effortless way as well. Is that right? Yeah. You know, when you say origin, because I I think that's so true, you know, most of the things that we respond to and get triggered by today is not happening today. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's going to be my next book, hopefully. I'm thinking about it already, but I'm, I'm going to definitely, I'm thinking about doing a book on triggers because I feel like, you know, there's a lot there, but um, so typically, you know, when we're triggered, it has to do with a projection. Like, so for example, we may see tr like attributes or characteristics in somebody else, you know, that remind us of maybe cut off parts that we have in ourselves that we want to distance from, you know, there's so many different reasons why we're triggered. Um, so if we could also understand that better, 
right? And, you know, typically it's really core wounds. It could come from a really core, like a wounded place, you know? So, and, and the way we could see that is our response to it. Like mm -hmm. somebody could say something to us or do something and the amount of intensity that we feel isn't commensurate with the circumstance. Yeah. Like if I, you know, and a good example, which I hear all the time, right? Like people get so frustrated when like, their partner throws something on the floor, right? Or is is messy, right? And then, you know, you say like, why did you throw it on the floor? You know how, how much it upsets me. You always do that. You don't care about me, you know, et cetera, right? Maybe the person's extremely disorganized. Maybe, you know, they have absolutely a lack of awareness, like in the moment of how it's affecting you. And maybe that's all about them and has nothing to do with you at all. Right. But we just go into the space of kind of feeling like it's personal. Right. So that could do with, for example, let's say the person kind of expressed their needs as a kid and never got them mad, you know, or rarely got them mad. You know, there's there's always it presses a button, you know, yeah. it presses a button. So, yes, locating and understanding a little bit more about what buttons it presses is mm. very helpful. Like so when I told you about the like the rejection and abandonment, those are my buttons definitely. Mm -hmm. And right when I say it, when I say, you know, why am I feeling rejected? What, you know, why am I feeling abandoned? I could really locate it really quickly. And I totally get why I slip into those spaces like now, obviously, uh, cause I did a lot of work and continue to. So once you understand that it doesn't become as threatening. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you're able to say, is that about what's going on right now? Or is that about, you know, is that an association that's making that it's making for my past you know and don't get me wrong some people obviously trigger you know we don't nobody triggers us we get triggered yes. okay but we also have to recognize some people are just not healthy for us so I do want to say that we can't just say oh I got triggered and you know no sometimes people's behavior is triggering based on our own core wounds Mm -hmm. So you have to also recognize when that's unhealthy and that happens too, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, unfortunately we have to make sure that we're in healthy relationships. You know, that's really critical to our well-being. Um, so I, I want to clarify that. <laughs> yes, because sometimes we end up being in toxic relationship without recognizing that. And then we start beating ourselves up, you know, for not meeting their expectation of who we should be or maybe yeah. something wrong with me we go into that path and that rabbit hole and then it's not good for our well-being mental and physical and we should really like um connect to who we are and give ourselves that compassion and self-love and self-care sometimes it means to set up boundaries you know and really make sure that you are doing well. So put yourself first. It's not being selfish at all. You are mm -hmm. the one who's supposed to take care of you. And like you said, you've been, uh, now you are a parent to your inner child. You are responsible for everything that's going on. And you are the one creating the life for yourself. So again, if this is something that's not healthy for you, it's okay to you know step back and it's okay to create that space because again you have to take care of yourself first 100 boundaries are critical as an adult very critical boundaries 
you know, asserting your needs. Um, and again, like, you know, we, we have one life to live. Life is so short. I mean, I think about like, I, I think I share that my, my oldest is 23 years old. And, and I know like we, we, you know, I look at him, I'm like, huh, what just happened? Like, seriously? You know, I know we all think about that as parents, right? We're like, where did the time go? You know, I remember when he was a baby, life is so short. It's so fleeting. And I can't tell you, you know, you could imagine in my practice, I see so much tragedy and I see so much pain and hurt and things that are unimaginable, honestly, unimaginable. And things could happen like that on a dime, things could turn and they do, they do. Um, no matter how you live your life for that matter, it's just life. So, you know, when I said before, like how, you know, when you think about like, if everybody's standing at your funeral, like, what are they going to say? I don't think about that. Oh, when I'm like, you know, 95, cause I hope I live till, you know, older, <laughs> older age. I think about if I were to die tomorrow or even in an hour from now, like literally that's how I think about it. Yes. You know, like, do I want to have conflict? Do I want to have aggression? Do I want to have hatred and disconnection, you know? And I really do think about that because, um, like I said, we only have one chance to get this right. One chance. That's it. Yeah. And also we have to remind ourselves that the power that we have is in present moment. You know, you can do something about it now, here and now, not tomorrow, right? Or again, you can't change your past. So only your change is happening as we speak. And again, if you choose to do so, if you're willing to change, and that comes back to your readiness for it. Not everybody is ready, you know, and Again, if you're not ready, you're not going to do anything about it. You will continue to avoid until you you learn and perhaps one day maybe you realize something. But again, uh, we always like have to um, be compassionate with others as well. Every one of us is a work in progress. We are in the state of becoming of who we want to be and again if we really want to focus on what matters here and now and remind ourselves is are those the values that i stand by is this who i am is this who i want to be again and that gives you more perspective of how you want to be known who you want to be known for and what did you do in this life right and it should align with your own you know self-image how do you see yourself? If not, then maybe you should focus more in working on that, those areas in order to become that person. Because again, it just comes back to if you're willing to do the work, if you're ready for change, change is always uncomfortable. And it's just, this is what it is. And we have to accept that. We don't need to wait for it, you know, that somebody will come and save us. We have to start taking those steps towards that direction and then we'll see how opportunities will come our way people that will support us but it starts with a decision first yes and a willingness and a willingness definitely so uh i'm so glad that we met today had that wonderful conversation for those who would like to connect with you online how can they find you 
So best way is through my website, which is uh, www.michellemaidenberg.com. And that's uh, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. And it's M-A-I-D-E-N-B-E-R-G. I'm also a Psychology Today blogger. I have hundreds and hundreds of articles that I've written over time. Um, I have a YouTube channel and I record and publish a weekly guided meditation that I publish. Um, so I'm happy to hear from anybody. And of course, I would love if you purchase my book. And um, there's a lot of exercises in the book that will help you to cultivate like living your best life um, and the life you want. And at the end of each chapter, there's a guided meditation with a uh, a code, you know, a, a barcode as well. All right, that's great. I'm going to also include the information in the show notes as well. And yeah. as we close today, uh, what would be the thought for our listeners? The thought, I, I think I, the way I ended, you know, is, you know, what are you willing to do right now? You know, because life is so short and fleeting. What are you willing to do? What isn't working for you? And what are you willing to do right now, even if it's uncomfortable? Yeah. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy your day. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow my show and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. To check out Intern Store, go to internpodcast.com. Stay tuned.